0: Check it out right now at gitladka.com. Please help me welcome Bridget Harris with You Can Book Me to the stage. Bridget. So my name is Bridget Harris. I run a company called You Can Book Me. And as he said, I'm here to talk about with my fellow Bootstrap founders, how we have grown to around $5 million ARR using profit sharing and open salaries to motivate the team. So You Can Book Me, our online scheduling tool. Um, uh, we've got over just a million accounts. Where, where am I looking here? There we go, million accounts. Uh, we've got about 22,000 customers. And um, to date, over the last 10 years, we've got 82 million bookings. We do around a million, a million and a half bookings a month. So that's where we're busy. Um, these are the kind of customers we have. They use our, our, our tool for team, team scheduling, the kind of customer success, onboarding, sales, that kind of thing, I'm sure you're familiar with it. And that first, first five years is the, the lonely years of, uh, of uh, growing our longs. You know, have you ever heard of Gail Goodman's long, slow ramp of sass death? That's where we were. We didn't have people like Nathan and others to talk to us about raising money. But uh, we got to about the one million pound mark and we made our first £105,000, £791 in profit. And um, like Nathan said, especially if you're bootstrapped, you need to get money from somewhere. VCs aren't giving it to you, so you need to make it yourself. And we've been very, very profit motivated ever since. So, over the next 20 minutes, I am here to talk to you about, first of all, the profit stack. So, I've put this together especially for this conference, uh, so this won't be the last you hear of it, because I, I wanted to start to think about strategically how we have done that, because profit doesn't just come from selling um, you know, selling a, a £5 product for, for £10, it actually comes from a much more strategic idea about how you build your company. Um, metrics that matter, Nathan mentioned a few of them, um, the kind of things that will tell you and indicate whether your company is profitable. Um, and then how we share that profit. So, uh, let's just talk a little bit about profit because as he said, VCs don't talk about profit very much. Um, It's only if you're really motivated to make it, you really understand what it is. Because the news is for founders, business profit is not how investors intend to get a return on their investment. Um, I don't want to overthink this, but hands up if you agree, the founder business plan is basically invent something make money. You know I mean? That, really, that's basically what we were trying to do. That's our, you know, our end goal. VC business plan, it sounds, it feels like it's the same, but it's not. Invest in stock and trade, make money. So yeah, sure, we're all aligned to the same goal, but it's very, very different to be investing in in shares, basically the value of shares going up versus making profit off a product that you can sell to customers. And this has been our mantra as founders for the last 10, 15 years. So I'm sure you'll know this guy, Jason, he talks about it. Everybody recognizes this whole kind of SaaS subscription economics, which is you absolutely hammer your sales and marketing. You grow like, you know, as fast as you possibly can kind of numbers Nathan was just talking about. And then you basically IPO, you exit, you, be- you do what you want to do to get, to get it up. Well, and that is what they have done. This is, the, this is uh, some, some data that I found, which shows that a lot of uh, uh, public, so they've IPO, they've done their big exit, they're still not making any profit. They're still trading in the value of the shares of their company. They're not making business profit, it's the value of their shares where they make money. And the problem is, is that for a lot of people that is not good enough Um, because that VC model is if you were if you were being a little bit mean about it, you'd call it a Ponzi scheme Um, because people have to lose. And recently, in the last couple of years, those people who are losing are losing big. So over 168,000 people have lost their jobs in the last couple of years from from this spread bet. Um, and that's because those guys were, didn't realise that they were working for a bet rather than a business plan. So, good news. We're all here. Nathan's here. The whole team is understanding to align against something slightly different. Even the VCs have woken up to the fact that they have to reinvent some really slightly crazy mathematics, which is adding together your profit Uh, margin with your growth rate and if you come up with more than 40% then you they'll still give you some kind of valuation so okay fine we'll accept that but I have a different way of thinking about it which is Jam Tomorrow Jam yesterday, but never Jam today. And that's essentially the VC message to people like Alison Wonderland, which is why can't we have Jam today? What is this whole thing about the delayed gratification, the IPO tomorrow, the exit tomorrow, the share options tomorrow? Wait, everybody burn themselves out today for something that's gonna to happen tomorrow. Well, You Can Book Me, we don't believe in, in Jam tomorrow. We believe in Jam today, or as we put it, profit today. So, <laughs> This is like a really weird, weird face, but that is what we're. That's what. That's the story we're in. So we broke even in 2016. We have not. We have not, um, you know, uh, looked back. Basically, this was the moment. This was a fantastic moment, and in a year later. As we had always promised our team, we paid out 75,000 dollars, it was about 50,000 pounds, to the five eligible team members who'd been working with us for all that period of time. In fact, we hired a lot of them in September 2015. We told them we were going to do it and we did it. So, I hope you will allow some of this as well into your companies. I'm very happy as well to talk a bit more about um, how we did it. So the profit stack, this is it. Absolutely classic, uh, te- you know, we talk about tech stacks, sales and marketing stacks, all the rest of it. Same principle, you get your degrees of foundational um, capacity at the bottom and then you build up. So in terms of the You Can Book Me P&L, this is roughly what it is. Gross margins, now I know in America you have, you include lots more costs into your gross margins but in the UK we are only required to report on direct costs like AWS and stuff. So for us we run a, sort of a 95% gross profit margin. Um, But then on top of that, you've got your core management. On that, you've got your R&D, your engineering team, your product team, and then your your communications, support and research. And on top of that, if you're a SaaS bootstrapped team, um, a company around our sort of size, you should be expecting to make 25, 30% profit, which sounds like a lot, but as I said, nobody's giving this money to you, so you need to make it yourself. You decide on your cost. You decide what you want to spend on. It's not exactly a tap that you switch on and off, but you decide when you want to spend it. Recently, we've just decided to double size of the company. So we but we're, what we're doing is we're investing, and we're eating into our profit margin. We're not trying to um, spend money that we didn't have. So we make it out of our monthly ARR, if you like. Business stack, same sort of thing that you'll recognize, cost of acquisition for customers, how much um, you're going to spend on the product itself to retain and give them a good experience their lifetime value, um, whether you can expand them, and then essentially what, how much money you can make off, off the top of what they give you. Now, um, the name of the game here is I'm not talking about sales and marketing. What I'm talking about is product-led growth, because that is what's going to lead you to profitability. And if you listen to Nathan uh, a couple of years ago, he did an absolutely fantastic 20-minute talk on um, how you should be expanding your customers, how you should be making more money from um, people giving you more, rather than trying to expand through growth, through sales and marketing. And that is the best economic you can you can put into your company and then the final one is people hr so what i talk about is high performing problem solvers which sounds completely obvious obviously you want to get high performing problem solvers but what it doesn't say is what you don't want to hire is low performing problem creators because they're going to be very expensive inside your company so how do you do that well you invest in your recruitment you invest in your turnover and culture, and you look at what the experience is like for somebody working for your company you want to um Uh, You want to incentivise somebody working for your company for as long as possible. You therefore have to work out how you're going to give them some career paths and promote them and so on and so forth. And at the end of the day, you've got a profit margin there, which what I would call is essentially their ability to impact your, uh, your growth. So who you hire will have a direct impact on that. So here it is. Uh, the profit stack of your classic p l or income statement what you 're doing in terms of people and team, and then how you 're actually going to build a product together to make some money so in terms of metrics, people metrics this is Ithney and Kelly, two of the high performing problem solvers that work for us in in um, in Lisbon uh, earlier this year, what we're trying to do is to maximise the opportunity for high performers to hit their stride. That is where you're going to get true value out of anybody who works for you, is to get them to work for you for at least two, if not three years, and to hit their stride over that time. So you have to have a view about what their best work is going to look like. And so for the the metrics that matter, you need to understand what is your your average tenure, what is your turnover, and what is your, as Nathan would say, your ARR per employee. And you will get, you will be able to scale profitability in your company if you do it. Now, metric tenure, SaaS benchmarks. Now, this all comes from SaaS Capital. So, I am going to come with a slight contradiction of what Nathan said, but you can certainly all of these sources. And I hope that they're going to be. Uh, shared in the in the documentation that you got so sas capital will do metrics about uh, bootstrap companies vc funded companies for different sizes so i've taken them for a company you can book me size benchmark is two years you can book me 3.3 years and it's only 3.3 because we've just doubled the size of the company recently normally it was about four years four and a half years people stay for you can book me for a long time which means that we get a lot of value out of what they do for us turnover this is the voluntary last 12 months of turnover at uh, 9.2 how many people are just deciding to resign and move on instead of you know and other neg- more negative things, and you can book me at three point six percent. And then this is what Nathan was saying: the ARR per employee. So the benchmark is actually one hundred and twenty-five thousand dollars, depending on who, what size of company. So it can be two hundred and fifty. It just depends. You have to look for your own your own equivalent, and you can book me as two hundred thousand. So you can just see with that, you can see why you can book me as profitable salary metrics. So everybody loves talking about salaries. Nobody likes talking about salaries, but I do an awful lot of work on salaries inside You Can Book Me. And that's because a labor market works the same as any other market, it's supply and demand. So you have to basically pick your price point and pick uh, what you're, how you're going to pitch your salary rates to other people. I was talking about this with Rory this morning over breakfast. It is really hard to get it right. You have to do a lot of work on it. It's not some of those things where you can just basically pluck a number out of thin air. So we do one of the things that we do is we, we have an open, transparent, um, open salary scheme inside You Can Book Me and have done for a long time. Now my one bit of advice about it, other than the other things that can help you decide what your rates are going to be, is that um, reward performance with high wages, i.e. hire somebody on a moderate conservative salary rate. If they do really well for you, by all means double their salary if you want to. Don't do it the other way around. A six-figure salary does not necessarily bring in a six-figure performance from anybody. So um, uh, yeah, the the two don't follow in reverse. But this was an example of our first open salary scheme so we just basically put people within about two thousand dollars or euros or, or, or uh, uh, sterling within each other so they could see roughly speaking where they were and it kind of broke down because of the size of our company now but basically you don't have to you don't have to overthink it it's not that difficult you just have to let people know you advertise what salary you're going to uh, pay somebody and then they come in and they know what everybody else gets paid so in terms of the metrics market rates people that, the, the, the kind of comparisons that we make we use Glassdoor. Um, you can book me pays up to double market rates. Uh, we look at pay ratios, which is the gap between the lowest and the highest paid. Incredible, some incredible ratios coming out of public, publicly listed companies in America. But 201 times is, is, is essentially the average. You can book me is 4.3 and I'm going to come on to that. It's not because we're massively socialist or weird. It's because it's actually a very good uh, uh, logic to why we keep our, our wage ratio low. Um, and then cost of living in different regions. Numbio index is, tells you where how much it costs to live anywhere, um, and we basically split it into four pay regions inside. You can book me. Anybody recognise this place? Anybody live there? six people live there. No, none of, n- nobody else lives there and that's because it's incredibly expensive to live there. Um, so I just, I, mean, I'm this, I, just, I just put this out as a kind of a general academic question. Who thinks it's good economics to fix uh, salary costs and tech companies to living in San Francisco? I make a lot of money running a software company. I do not intend to spend my profit on propping up San Francisco housing and landlord. Uh, rates. I just don't, I'm not going to, am not going to do it. And that's because of this, so these are all the countries that we hire in. America is just, this is actually pitched in New York, cost of living, not even West Coast. But it shows you that, and I actually think, frankly, and I know I'm a European basically talking about capitalism to a North American audience, but I, I mean, I think it is anti-competitive, frankly, to say to people in Romania, Morocco and South Africa, you have to compete uh, with people working on the West Coast, you need to pay a whole lot of stuff in, in terms of rent. Um, the, one, the one bit of leverage you have, which is your price. You ha- you're, we're gonna fix it to, to some kind of insane six figure salary. That's just my little mini pitch, if you disagree, please say. But anyway, I just think it's like a bit like the yoga. Everybody's saying, oh, we pay every, you know, "we pay the same in San Francisco. Why, why do you do that? Um, that's because cost of employment matters. This is a really, um, uh, this is proper data that's been based on all of, our, all of our analysis of where we hire. This is what it costs us to employ somebody um, in France versus uh, the UK which means that not all salaries are equal as far as the employer is concerned. Taxes vary widely, benefits vary widely, but also what it costs to the employee. So this, again, compound of income tax and Social Security contributions for our employees. So um, it's very expensive for somebody who lives in Portugal, but I love Portugal. If you have ever been? It's beautiful, so I'm not saying that they don't have a good life, but it does, it does definitely cost them. The point about all of that is that you can still... Um, be above market rate in terms of your salaries and compare it to Glassdoor even if you're not going to do the sort of the six figure you know, massive Facebook style Airbnb style salaries. So this is You Can Book Me rates of pay. So we do pretty well. We're not saying that um, you know, you're going to get rich by working for a salary for You Can Book Me but we are saying that there is some logic here which means that people should be able to benefit and that is to do with that pay ratio. So that's the same data but put into a slightly different context. This is the You Can Book Me team. Um, and, the, and the ratios of the salaries that uh, we pay. So you can see here that in terms of the sticker price of salaries, there's a 30, 331% spread between the lowest and the highest paid. But if you compare it to the actual cost of employment, that spreads much higher. And if you look at the take home, that spread is much lower, which means that I have a team 4.3% ratio, uh, 4.3 times if you like. Um, The whole company, as we get richer, as we get more successful, we can move the whole team along. So we hunt for profit like a pack. So we're not putting some big outliers at the one end or the other end, because what I can say is, if you stick with You Can Book Me, and and if you're a high-performing problem solver, and you stick with us for over a long time, you will get remunerated via profit. And that is my, that's my logic. So let's talk a little bit about how we share the profit in my last few minutes. So the scheme. Um, this is quite heavy in terms of content so I think it is all printed out you've got you've got copies of this so I'm very happy to talk about this in detail but basically our logic is you've got to be employed you can't be on a disciplinary and you have to have worked for us for at least a year and a half we then look at our net profit excluding any um you know out sort of extraordinary costs like foreign exchange currency stuff happens a lot and um I don't know, it's like one-off donations or something, but otherwise we just take a quarterly, three-month P&L, and we take 10% of our profit and we redistribute it. Um, and then what we do is we do reward tenure, so you get a higher percentage of your eligibility for a share if you uh, for the longer you stay. And then we basically vest that at a, at four years, and we just pay it into people's paychecks. Um, somebody asked me this morning why didn't we do share options, and actually, I mean, share options are quite good and tax-efficient for um, for people in one country but for us we had to look at a scheme that was going to apply in multiple countries so this is what it looks like in terms of the employee you start up at 0.25 points um, by a year and a half you've got um, 1.5 points and that's when you become eligible you then get that payment we, we will then work out how much profit we've made in that quarter and we pay it out um, at the in arrears so at the end of the seventh quarter we pay it out then it keeps on going up and then after four years, you, as I said, you'll be making the maximum percentage. So this is an illustration. So let's say you've got seven employees. The guys there over on the right have just started, just become eligible. The guys on the left have been here for a while. So on a $25,000 profit, um, so it would be $250,000 of actual profit and you're paying 10% out. If you've been with us for the longest, you'd be getting just under $5,000. If you've just become eligible, you'll be getting just under $2,000. So anybody inside our company can do the maths. They can work it out. The more we grow, the more, we, more money we make, their number just goes up, the more cash they have. And as Nathan was saying, that spreadsheet is here. This is how it literally gets done. Um, it's, it's scalable, probably up to about 20 people. After that, I probably need a new spreadsheet. Um, Nathan has lovingly recreated all the formulas based on the screenshot as well. So it is, it is it's, it, he knows it as much as I do now about, about this spreadsheet. But you also have a copy saved to your FOB. And I'm happy to answer any questions at all about it. Because the point about it is that once you have got your quarterly P&L agreed... You then basically fill in what your turnover is, this is what we do, what your turnover is, what your profit is, it then does all the calculations, and then it will literally list how much money you need to pay out in people's pay. Does that make sense to everybody? Yeah? So, So my final question to you guys, and we're kicking off the conference here, it's been really exciting to to share all of this with all of you. I really look forward to... um, to answering any more questions, going to the brain dates, listening to all of your stories and learning from all of you as well. Um, but my real question to you is what business are you in? This is the P&L from that moment when we made profit and basically the year before we were not in business we made a £28,621 loss. And as I was saying to Rory this morning, at that point, you shouldn't really be worried about that. You should be worried about cash in your bank. That's why people like Nathan and FounderPath exist, to keep your cash flow going. Because as the expression goes, cash is king. But ultimately, after a while, you need to work out whether you are actually in business. And that's what we've been in ever since. And we have a fantastic business and lots to look forward to. But at the end of the day, it is about making money. So in the last 20 minutes, I have talked through my profit stack, how to build a profit mentality into how you design and sell your products, not just about product vision and yoga. It is actually about making money. What metrics will help inform you without hiring? As I said, most of those benchmarks are publicly available. You can look for yourself how much or how well you guys are doing. Talk to anybody they like about uh, the impacts of the open salary um, structure inside you can book me. I'm a massive fan of it. And we just wouldn't go back now. And our profit share matrix and how we pay out every quarter. Thank you very much. Thank <laughs> you.